Listen, if you're in crypto, you need to watch today's show till the very end because yesterday was a huge turning point for crypto. Most people aren't going to admit it, but that's because they don't know what's happening under the hood. But let me show you a few things that build the case. So first of all, yesterday, we had the stock markets absolutely obliterated yesterday. Everything was red. While this was happening, we were getting a credit meltdown. This is the TLT bond, which shows 10 to 20 year credit. And this shows a capitulation candle in the credit rating. But while this was going on, something very interesting happened in Bitcoin. Bitcoin was flat and up. In fact, Bitcoin didn't respond. Now, as I said to you, most people will say, well, this is a coincidence. It's just, you know, Bitcoin's had its day and it's, it, it was it. But I'm going to show you today why anyone who says that just hasn't got their eyes on the ball, doesn't really know what's happening under the hood. I'm going to show you exactly what's going on and why Bitcoin held and actually started climbing when the stock markets and the credit markets were starting to collapse. Also today, we want to talk about another big coup for crypto that happened in the US government. Because if you weren't paying attention, this is what happened yesterday. It was a historical day in the US yeah. government. On this vote, the yeas are 216. The nays are 210. The resolution is adopted. Without objection, the motion to reconsider is laid on the table. The Office of Speaker of the House of the United States House of Representatives is hereby declared vacant. And just like that, Kevin McCarthy, who was the Republican Speaker of the House, was fired from his role. And now we have a new Speaker of the House who's very, very, very pro-crypto. This could be a massive turning point for crypto. And if you want to talk about another third big event that happened yesterday, we should talk about what happened in the XRP case uh, or the Ripple versus SEC case, because that was another massive win for crypto. So all in all, yesterday was a big turning point for crypto. Today, what we're going to do is analyze why, and I'm going to show you why I think that this rally is actually going to continue. So let's go. Let's do this. tell you one thing if we were in the midst of a uber bull market yesterday the market the, the crypto markets would have had their biggest day in a long 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 time but because we've reached a stage where people are getting apathetic um we didn't get the pump that we that we um that we were waiting for and i think if i understand what's happening in the crypto markets a lot of people are actually getting flushed out of the crypto markets because what's happening is every time these people start to trade or every time that there's another green candle up people try and trade. As we get the reversal, they get messed up again and they lose their money and they get flushed out the system. And after that happens five or six times, they kind of say, look, we're not coming back to crypto. We hate crypto as an asset class. You just lose money. And they start feeling almost like an apathy. And if it's not an apathy, it's almost like an anger or resentment towards crypto. Now that's the natural market mechanism to get people flushed out. If you're feeling that like that, be careful that you're not uh, falling into the market cycle because that's what the market cycle is trying to do at this part of the cycle. We're going to talk about that today. I'm going to show you how this part of the cycle is designed to get the last of the weak hands out before we actually go into the raging bull market. I'm also going to show you where we get into why, where and why we get into a raging bull market. And I'm going to show you how the fundamentals and the technicals align exactly to show you that this is what's going to happen. When I was preparing the show, and I realized what was actually going on. I was like, holy shit, I cannot believe what is actually going on here. I think yesterday was one of the biggest turning points that we've had for crypto. And I think we need to analyze why yesterday was such a big turning point for crypto. So if you're here and you haven't been shaken out by the markets, 
Let me know that you're still here. Design Entity is still here. Chuck Strickland is still here. Lindsay B is still here. Space Vibes is still here. There are a lot of us who are still here. A lot, And I mean, some of our friends have been flashed out and that's okay because that's what Marcus is supposed to do. But you're here and you're present. So let me know if you're present. Also, if you're not already subscribed to the channel, you know what to do. Subscribe to the channel. Now's the best time to do it. Um, we're also going to bring you a another channel. We've got another channel called Banter Plus, which I think you should subscribe to. There's a link below. Go and subscribe because there's a lot of additional content, premium content that's going to be on that channel. Um, let's take a look at the bubbles before we get into the big alpha today because there is a lot of alpha today. Today, as I say, one of the, one of the best days we're going to have together. Let me guarantee you that. So um, one of my best tools at the moment, I've got to show you one of my best tools at the moment, something that I've become completely addicted to is I sit on the bubbles and I just watch the five-minute charts. And it really, really, really shows me what's happening on the, on the charts. It shows me if the, if the tide is turning. Now, if I put the newsroom there and I let the news scroll, um, uh, if I let the news scroll, then I can see how the news is actually affecting the bubbles on a short-term basis or maybe even on, on, on the one-hour basis. But let's look at where we're at today. It's a mixed day, obviously more red than green. XRP slightly up because of the massive ruling that we had yesterday in the XRP case. Matic also slightly up because of the massive ruling that we had in the XRP case. Rollbit slightly up. I'll show you at the end of the show why Rollbit is slightly up. Um, Arbitrum slightly down. The rest slightly down, but don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. This is, we don't need to look at it like this. This is not how we look at it. If you want to look at it, look at it on the weekly. And we say, okay, we've had a great week and we should have had a great week. It's a, it's a great week to have a great week. And I'll show you what happened yesterday. So let, let's start off with, let's actually get into what happened yesterday. Because you, you see that I'm quite excited to actually show you how I've unraveled this puzzle. It's like a puzzle. And I've unraveled the puzzle as to what happened. And I think that if you realize what's happened, you're going to tell me in the comments. You're going to tell me in the comments that yesterday was a massive turning point. So let's play this game. When you believe that yesterday was a turning point, then tell, then let's do something in the comments. So let's say something like uh, like the penny dropped or or the or just say aha, just say aha because that's the aha moment. So when you have the aha moment in the comments, just say aha when you realize what actually happened yesterday and why yesterday was such a big day. Deal? All right, let's do it. But promise me you're going to do it. Let's just see how many how long it takes for people to switch. Josh, let's run a poll. As soon as people have the aha moment, hit the poll. If I don't have the aha moment, say I didn't have the aha moment. Okay. So let's go. Why am I so excited about what happened yesterday? Let's analyze step by step by step what happened yesterday. Let's start off with the stock markets. This was the scene on the stock markets yesterday. It was an absolute, absolute, absolute bloodbath, okay? Everything was red. The NASDAQ yesterday was down 1.89%, almost 2%. The Dow Jones was down 1.59%. That's big numbers for the stock market to be down um, on one day. When you look at the, the mood or the sentiment on the stock markets, here's the mood, here's the sentiment. The stock markets are now collapsing. They are at extreme fear. People in the stock markets are at 17. Do you remember what it felt like when we were at those levels? That was when the FTX collapse happened, okay? But people in crypto, we're neutral. Now, why is there such a big disconnect? If these are both risk assets. If Bitcoin is a risk asset and crypto is, is a risk asset and the stock markets are not are, are, are risk assets, why is there such a big disconnect? Why yesterday when the markets were absolutely collapsing and it wasn't only the stock markets, it was the credit markets as well. That is the TLT. What TLT is, it's a ETF 
of 10 and 20 year government bonds. And if you look at what happened to the TLT yesterday, just look at the daily candle. I'm going to zoom in for you. Look at that daily collapse. It shows that yesterday, both bonds and stocks had a very terrible day. And just look at the performance of the bond portfolio um, since 20th of Feb. Since 20th of Feb, the value of the bond ETF has has more than has more than halved, or oh, you say less than halved, or more than halved. So all this was happening. The stock market is at a point of extreme fear, and when I look at crypto, crypto is at a neutral. Um, it's at a neutral um, point. So what is actually going on? What, what what is going on? I think well, the first thing we need to understand what actually crashed the markets yesterday. Why yesterday did the markets crash? And I think that this is the starting point to the whole puzzle. And remember, when you have the aha moment, smash the like button and hit aha. And let's see if by the end of the show, everyone in the audience has had the aha moment and we all get the aha moment. And as, and as you do, just smash the like because I, I really think this will blow your mind. So what happened yesterday? Why all of a sudden yesterday did the markets start to collapse or start to capitulate? Well, first, the first thing that happened yesterday was that we had the August job opening numbers. So what are the job opening numbers? It shows how many open jobs there are in the United States. And yesterday, what we saw is that we were forecasting that there would be 8.8 million open jobs. And when the number came out, there were 9.6 million open jobs. Now, why is that such a bad thing? Because it shows that the economy in the United States is so overheated at the moment that no matter how much Powell increases interest rates, Jobs, the, the unemployment rate is not actually dropping. So we're getting a low unemployment rate and the unemployment rate is not actually increasing. Now remember what Powell's trying to do, Powell is trying to slow down the economy and get some people out of a job. And that way he's balancing a good economy with people actually being out of a job. That's what Powell's trying to do. He's trying to slow the economy. What this data showed is that the economy is not slowing. In fact, the economy is growing so much that there's 9.6 million people looking for a job instead of what they thought would be 8.8 million people looking for a job. When the market saw this news, this was the result. And why was this the result? Because it gives the Fed a license to continue to raise rates. That's exactly what's going on. And so as this data came out yesterday, where the the jobs opening fell out, there's an additional 690,000 job openings that weren't anticipated. Not what the Fed wants to see. And now what people are worried about is that Jamie Dimon may actually be right. And the Fed may have a license to carry on increasing rates. And that is why the market started to react like this. That's why the stock markets reacted like this. People are starting to get really worried that the Fed isn't done with the interest rates, with, with the interest rate hikes, and that we could actually get some more interest rate hikes coming into, um, into the markets. So what happened? Well, the TLT started to collapse. The stock market started to collapse. The U.S. Treasury yield continued on its on its rampage, and the dollar went to one hundred seven point three. So, what happened? Because the economy is more heated than previous, what happened? The interest rates went up because people thought, "Hold on, Powell may actually increase interest rates." The stock markets went down, and the dollar got stronger because people said, "Okay, if rates are going to be higher for longer in U.S. dollars, I'd rather hold U.S. dollars in my portfolio." That's where we were yesterday. That is um, why the markets was was spooked yesterday. Now, just to be clear, what we saw yesterday in the TLT, now this is, it's quite apt that I'm talking about the TLT, and I'll show you in a second why I'm talking about the TLT. 
The TLT is an ETF with 10 and 20 year gov- US government bonds, okay? And what you can see is that yesterday we had a capitulation candle in the TLT. What you can see is that normally the daily volumes, it, or in, in March 2020, the daily volumes were 25 million, and yesterday 60 million shares were traded. It means that people were selling their, their government debt. We want out of government debt. Why do we want out of government debt? Because we are getting worried that, that the credit market is going to start collapsing. When does the credit market collapse? A credit market collapses when interest rates go up too fast and corporations, individuals, governments can't pay their debt. And when they can't pay their debt, they default. And the value of the debt goes to zero. That is when a credit event happens. So imagine that you buy a house. And when you buy a house, the interest rate is 1%. And you've got to make payments of, say, 300 bucks or 400 bucks a month to live in your house. Imagine that the rates go to 2% and then 3% and then 4% and then 5% and then 6%, which is kind of like where we are now, 7%. All of a sudden, the 300 bucks that you're paying becomes five, six, 700 bucks in terms of interest payments until eventually you get to a point where you can't pay the debt on your house. And then what happens is either you close down your business if it's a business or you put your house in the market and you sell the house in a fire sale. That's, both of them are really bad scenarios, right? You don't want to be in a, in a scenario where interest rates are going up so high, so fast, that the market is starting to price in that most people are actually going to default on their debt. And that's exactly what started happening yesterday. Because of the jobs numbers which set off this thing, people started to worry that there is a credit event underway. Now, we had Michael Gade on the show, and Michael Gade said that he believes that a credit event is coming. He says, let's make it ultra clear what I believe are. He says, what I believe is happening. He says, I believe a credit event is already underway and sovereign yield volatility is the source. Within that event, there are likely to be tradable rallies to suck in more bulls, which I believe could happen, could, this week could be an, as an example. He says, but we're in the midst of this credit collapse that I've spoken about. Now, when the credit collapses, there are multiple phases of credit collapsing. First thing is consumer credit. First thing that happens is consumers just can't pay their debt. Consumer credit collapses. Then you get business collapses where businesses can't pay their debt and then they get closed down and then the debt, the value of debt goes to zero. Then you get sovereign credit collapses and that is when countries can't pay their debt and effectively have to devalue their currency or, or start a new currency or, or, or something like that. So where are we now? Well, if you look at what Peter Schiff said, he said, if bond yields keep rising at the current pace, we are weeks away from a second, far larger wave of bank failures. That was rolled in the biggest QE program to finance the biggest bank bailout, the only way to avert this crisis. So the banks may actually go down, right? If this happens, the banks may also start to go down because if, if interest rates keep going up, the banks will have a bank run and they won't be able to pay back the debt to, that, that they have because they have long-dated uh, T-bills in their, in their, um, in their uh, they've taken all your money They've bought long-dated T-bills. And when you come and ask them for your money now, they just don't have the liquidity and they have to sell those T-bills at a very, very, very low price, which is something that looks like this. So they invested when they invested your money when the value of the, of the debt was this high. And now because interest rates have gone uh, up so quickly, that's how much money they've actually got if you ask for your money now. That's a big problem. So Peter Schiff says that if this continues we are going to have a massive, massive banking collapse. Uh, Northman Trader, Sven Heinrich, he says, 
Perfect doom loop. Yields keep rising. They need to issue so much debt above plan and they need to issue so much debt because higher yields have resulted in escalating higher interest rates payments. What does he mean? He says, look, this is the U.S.'s national debt. The U.S. has $33 trillion worth of national debt. And actually, coincidentally, yesterday, the national debt rose by $275 billion in one day. Right now, as it stands, the U.S. government is paying a trillion dollars a year in interest. Now, what happens when Powell carries on increasing interest rates? And the reason why Powell carries on increasing interest rates is because the economy is just not slowing down. And it's the only tool that he has left is to increase interest rates. What's going to happen? Well, we're going to get to a point where the market's telling you that it's worried that the U.S. actually won't be able to pay its debts. What's going to happen then? Well, this is what what's going to happen. And this is where it gets really, really exciting. So I think up until now, what I'm trying to show you is that if Powell continues to increase interest rates, a lot of sectors of the economy could collapse. Individuals could collapse. Companies could collapse. Banks could collapse. And maybe, maybe, maybe even countries like the United States won't be able to pay back their debt. Usually when this happens, usually when this happens, you can see that higher credit Higher interest rate events, peak interest rate events, usually cause something to break. In 1987, it was a stock market crash. Um, in 2018, it was a global sell-off. It was the housing crisis sell-off in 2008. So the, the global financial crisis, that's, that's that part over here. When debt goes up, debt breaks something. And that something that usually breaks causes the Fed to have to quickly, quickly, quickly pivot and take emergency measures to make sure that the, that, 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 that the country doesn't collapse. If that happens, what's going to happen? Well, as Michael Gates said, he said the Fed will panic and have to lower rates this year, just like they did in 1987. That's the first thing that could happen. So the first thing that could happen is the Fed could panic and, and, and they'd have to lower rates very quickly. As I showed you earlier, what Peter Schiff said, he said, what would happen is the only way to fix this is a quantitative easing program to finance the biggest bank bailout, which means that they're going to put more money into the economy. So why did I say that yesterday was a turning point? Because yesterday we started to see signs that both the stock market, the stock market is very, very scared, and the bond markets are very, very, very scared. They're starting to capitulate. And if this actually starts to happen, or if this carries on, then what's going to happen very soon is that the Fed are going to have to pivot. And when the Fed pivot, that means that we're going to get a whole lot of quantitative easing into the system. We're starting to see the cracks. We're starting to see the capitulation candles. If, if, if this chart was inverted, if, if you look at this TLT chart and this chart was inverted, what you would say is this is a blow-off top. This is, it's going up too fast too quickly. We're starting to see a blow-off bottom. Well, what, I don't know what you call it. Is it called a, a, a blow-off bottom? I think it's called a blow-off bottom, right? I think, I think that's what you call, um, what you call, what, what you call a blow-off. Yeah, I don't know. What, whatever it is. So that is the first aha moment that I had. The first aha moment that I had is that we're, on the, we're in the midst of what could be the beginning of the credit event. And if we're in the beginning of the credit event, it's no coincidence that yesterday, whilst all this was happening, people were going, hold on a second. I'm, I want to hold Bitcoin. I'm, this is the time where I want to hold Bitcoin. And that's why crypto held up so beautifully yesterday. Whilst this was the picture on the stock market, 
And this was the picture on the bond market. I think we had a fantastic day yesterday. I mean, holding at 27,500. Yes, it went back down to 27,300, but that's not, that, that's not what this is about. Look, I want to show you the other side of this. On the other side of this, you've got Yellen and Jamie Dimon saying that the, actually the U.S. economy is doing pretty well. And you know what? If they look at where the U.S. economy is today, they're 100% right. There's nothing wrong with the U.S. economy. The U.S. economy is really, 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 really strong now. In fact, it's so strong that no matter what Powell does, people just want to hire more people. They've got this, this insatiable demand for hiring more people for their jobs. It's an insatiable demand. The, what, no matter what Powell is doing, he's not managing to slow down the economy. You've got, you've got GDP up at 8%. 8% means that the, that the U.S. economy is growing at 8%. That is science of a healthy economy. And as Christian Chifoy says, he says, bond yields are not dangerously high. The S&P does not stand on a cliff. Fed rates will not break the market. This is just a normal market cycle. And he may be right for now. But if this crisis weakens, if this crisis gets worse, this is the money tweet. Okay, now, this is a very, very, very important tweet. It's the money tweet. Worth following this guy. He says, currency devaluations typically occur abruptly, abruptly being the key word, during debt crises. History repeats. We're watching a sovereign debt crisis unfold. Here's the debt crisis. The U.S. has $33 trillion worth of debt. The interest rates are at 5% or 6% or 7% if they want to refinance. And they're paying a trillion dollars a year to finance their interest. That's unsustainable. And as you'll remember what I said to you, the, 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 the blowout happens. First consumers go. Then businesses start going. Then banks and real estate start going. And then eventually countries start going. And this is exactly what this, um, this, is exactly what this tweet over here says. He says, very, very, very right. He says, let's, let's just get a better view. He says, we're watching a sovereign debt crisis unfold. And there are only two, there are two, only two ways out. Massive dollar devaluation, very, very, very good for Bitcoin, or mass defaults. No one wants mass defaults and they probably won't happen. Nobody wants zero-yield hard assets that, can, that can't be seized or debased until everyone wants zero-yield hard assets that can't be seized or debased. Bitcoin was created to protect, yourself, your, to protect you for this moment. The debt crisis is going mainstream. Bitcoin is the arc for the coming fiat flood or the solid shelter for the coming deflationary earthquake. Expect BlackRock and Fidelity to run with this narrative the moment that the Bitcoin spot ETF gets approved. Finite supply, zero counterparty risk. Two at... It's, it's, in, it's finite supply, zero counterparty risk, two attributes that will soon be very, very, very highly valued. Slowly at first, and then all at once. This is a profound tweet, because it's not that much a profound tweet, as much as the timing is, profo is profound. Again, we're entering a, a situation where people are really, really, really starting to panic about the credit markets. That is the chart. That is a, the 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 how people are viewing the credit markets. If that was a token, you'd say that this is, this, is, this is capitulated. Now, that is how people are viewing the credit markets. Why are they viewing the credit markets like that? Because we may be in the beginning of a sovereign debt crisis, which is starting to unfold. Maybe we're wrong. Hey, great. Maybe we're wrong. And if we're wrong, great. But if we're right here, then this tweet 
words it so perfectly. It says, nobody wants zero-yield hard assets that can't be seized or debased until everybody wants zero-yield hard-yield assets that can't be seized or debased. And then we're going to get the ETF approved, and that's the narrative that they're going to run with on the ETF as credit, mar- credit, market, credit markets are collapsing. And when that happens, you got the only ETF in the world with a, with a truly finite supply, zero counterparty risks, and it's completely unseasonable. Okay, so that's interesting. And I, I hope that by now you've all had the aha moment. But for those of you who haven't had the aha moment and, and you still haven't smashed the like and you still haven't had the aha moment, listen to this or maybe look at this. Picked up this chart from what is fast becoming my, my best charting account. And what he's saying here, he says, if history repeats itself, the next bull market could occur 500, the peak of the next bull market, because it could occur 518 to 546 days after the halving. That would bring us to mid-2025 or mid, mid-September or mid-October 2025. That's kind of like what he's saying. All right, so we're going to chop sideways. We could stay on this trend line, which may take us back down to, who knows, 21, 22,000. We may break out of it at some point. We don't, we're not exactly sure when we're going to break out of it. But look when the acceleration of the, of the bull market happens. Slowly, 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 quick, slowly, slowly, quickly all the way up because that's when everybody jumps in. Now overlay what I've just showed you about the potential collapse in the credit markets with what I'm showing you is the halving cycle and the potential timing for the next rally to make the two align almost perfectly. And so, look, we may be wrong. There may never be a credit crisis. This tweet over here, the one that says that every, everything's fine, may be fine. And this is just the normal part of the cycle. But if people start worrying about this credit crisis that is going to happen, and the narrative happens on the ETF, everything lines up to show us that this is the next cycle. And if this is the next cycle, you've got 518 to 546 days under the halving, and you've got about 200 days to the halving from now. So you've got about 700 days to make life-changing and wife-changing money. You're not in a rush, but best you start placing your chips on the table. Now, look, if you haven't had the aha moment up until now, then there's probably a 3% chance you'll still get it between now and the end of the show. Um, some people just never get it because, you know, like, you know, there are special schools for special people that, you know, they have learning problems and, you know, it, it, it is what it is. It's the same thing. Like, some people will just never get it. But those that do get it and act accordingly um, may actually be at some point really wealthy. And if you, you know, if you, if you want to hedge yourself, if you want to hedge yourself and say, look, maybe you're wrong, I, I may actually even take a, a small position in, in TLT and say, you know, what, if the credit markets do so, sort themselves out, my hedge will be that I'll own some credit, but I'm going to put the majority of my money on the bet that is not, uh, that, is, that, that is my thesis that there will be some kind of credit market collapse. That may not happen today, tomorrow, because credit collapses take a long time. But you've got to have your eyes on the ball of what these narratives uh, are actually all about. Let me know what you think in the comments. Anyway, let's go to the other reason why yesterday was a pivotal, pivotal, pivotal day in, in, in the US for crypto, for crypto, for crypto. So look, yesterday, the Speaker of the House, um, Kevin McCarthy, the Republican Speaker of the House, was removed as Speaker of the House um, uh, in, in a vote. Now, the House has a, the, 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 the Republicans have a majority in the House, but it's a small majority in the House. And yesterday, some of the Republicans sided with the Democrats and actually voted to remove him as Speaker of the House. On this vote, 
I'll show you in a second why that's so good for crypto. The yeas are 216. The nays are 210. The resolution is adopted. Without objection, the motion to reconsider is laid on the table. The Office of Speaker of the House of the United States House of Representatives is hereby declared vacant. Bang. So Republicans and Democrats teamed up, removed the Speaker of the House. This is the Speaker of the House. His name is Kevin McCarthy. This is some of his responses. Now, remember that Kevin McCarthy is about 58 years old. Last week, we were hemorrhaging on whether we would shut down or not. I made a decision to take a risk to keep the government open. At the end of the day, if I am removed from speaker because I kept the, the troops from getting paid, they're able to be paid and the border agents able to be paid, you know, that's a fight worth fighting for. I've always said I will fight for the American public and that's exactly what I did and I'll continue to do that and let the chips fall where they may. Well, I get removed because four or five Republicans. Okay, so basically what happened was Kevin McCarthy did what he did, did last week. Now, you remember last week we were on the verge of a government shutdown. Kevin McCarthy was the, he was the Republican who was negotiating with the Democrats. He did something that the Republicans didn't actually really like, or the majority of the Republicans didn't actually like. And he kept the government open as a result. So he, you know, he bent what he was supposed to do. He says, look, he did it because he wanted to protect his country. And as a result... He's been voted out. He's now been gone. It's, he's, the, he's the shortest serving Speaker of the House, and it's kind of an unprecedented move to get him voted out so quickly. Who voted him out or who brought in the, the motion to vote him out? This guy over here, his name is Matt Getz. And when it comes to how those raise money, I take no lecture on asking patriotic Americans to weigh in and contribute to this fight from those who would grovel and bend knee for the lobbyists and special interests who own our leadership, who have, oh, boo all you want, who have hollowed out this town and have borrowed against the future of our future generations. I'll be happy to fund my political operation through the work of hardworking Americans, 10 and 20 and $30 at a time. And you all keep showing up at the lobbyist fundraisers and see how that goes for you. I reserve. So Matt Getz stood up and he said, listen, by the way, Matt Getz, as I said to you, Kevin McCarthy is about 57 or 58 years old. Matt Getz is 41 years old. It's a, it's a new, younger, fresh um, uh, batch or fresh batch or younger generation of leaders that are coming into, are coming into the house. And what he's saying is he's saying, listen, you guys want to be corrupt and you want to serve the lobbyists. I'm not going to do that. I'm going to actually work for the actual Americans. That's not the good news. The good news is that the person who is going to replace Kevin McCarthy, albeit temporarily, the person that is replacing Kevin McCarthy is someone that we know very, very, very well. This is he. You know him. I know him. But I think we should watch this together again. You've got serious questions to answer to the public and to Congress, and we intend to get your compliance. We can do it the easy way or the hard way. And with that, I yield back. The ranking member is now recognized for five minutes. You've got Patrick McHenry. He is an ultra uber bullish, ultra against Gary Gensler type of guy, ve ve vehemently against Gary Ge Gensler type of guy. And he is now promoted to be the Speaker of the House temporarily. But still, that's great. We've got a temporary Speaker of the House who is so bullish towards crypto, has crypto on his agenda as one of the number one, one of his number one narratives. And on top of all of that, he is the one that has been taken 
who has been taking Gary Gensler to task. And I'll show you again, just another, another time where he took Gary Gensler to task. This guy hates Gary Gensler probably more than I do. This should not be the hard work of a chairman to answer these questions. You have 30 major rulemakings, but you won't even provide basic documents to us. Your unresponsiveness is non-compliance, and we'll have to take action if you're not willing to comply. You have a 10-week review process, and you've not provided documents. Furthermore, you haven't even done the economic analysis of your interplay of these major rulemakings that are going to affect anybody who owns a stock, bond, or any type of security. Um, and so you've got serious questions to answer to the public. And All right, so Patrick McHenry's in. He's in temporarily as the Speaker of the House. But what does the Speaker of the House mean? Is it even, like, even relevant to us? Well, let me tell you, I did some research, and it's super, super, super relevant for us. Because the Speaker of the House has a lot of political responsibilities and a lot of political powers. Now, when we get someone who is pro-crypto voted as Speaker of the House, effectively what we're doing is we're taking the narrative of crypto to the front of the House. And I analyzed, as I said, what is the role of the Speaker of the House? So number one is he has um, he, he presides over the House. He manages and maintains order during debates and voting sessions. He determines who may speak on the floor and directs members' comments during a debate. He sets the legislative agenda. He plays a significant role in determining which bills and resolutions are considered by the House. He plays, I'm going to read that again. He plays a significant role in determining which bills and resolutions are considered by the House, including crypto ones. He may prioritize certain legislation effectively influencing the legislative process influences the assignment of members to various committees and may appoint committee chairs. All this is now coming from someone who is passionately, passionately into crypto and passionately against Gary Gensler. Voting. Typically does not vote in legislation. Um, maintaining order can enforce rules. Managing house operations. Representing the house. He also has political powers. He has in influence on policy. Plays a crucial role in steering the party's legislative agenda and strategy. Guys, this is, we now have a very, very, very pro-crypto person who's temporarily the Speaker of the House and has all these responsibilities. Not only that, as I mentioned to you before, he is the temporary Speaker of the House and very soon we'll get a permanent Speaker of the House. They're talking about a permanent Speaker of the House being none other than Tom Emmer, who is exactly made from this cloth, another pro-crypto Speaker of the House. So what we could have seen in, in, in the US uh, House yesterday we could have seen a revolution which took someone who was indifferent to crypto and replaced it with someone who's very, very, very pro-crypto. Now, we may not get an immediate response to that, but if this was a bull market, I'll tell you, the prices would have gone absolutely, absolutely crazy. Please tell me you've had a aha moment. Please. Please tell me that after you've heard two of the stories, we've had, you've had that aha moment. Please. We're going to talk about the third the third big aha moment but before i do i want to just remind you guys of a few things the first thing is if you live in the uk or you live in canada and bybit is shut down there and, and you can't go to bybit go and sign up to bitget now not only do you get up to eight thousand one hundred dollars in deposit bonuses but you also get a hundred dollars so just deposit hundred dollars get a hundred dollars but you got to use the link below otherwise that ain't gonna work okay that, that that ain't gonna work for you guys also i want to show you so look, uh, full disclosure, I was looking for somewhere where I could bet on the World Cup rugby because I'm South African, I love the Springboks, and the Springboks are going to do really, really well, especially against, um, I thought they were going to do well against Ireland. I still think the Springboks are going to do very well. And I was looking for somewhere to place a bet and I wanted to use crypto, couldn't find a place, 
went to my sponsorship team, said, find me a place. And so we partnered up with BetSwap. Um, BetSwap is a sports betting platform where you can actually use your crypto. Now, they do have many other things, but the thing that I'm specifically looking at is the decentralized betting part of it using crypto. So I'm going to be using BetSwap to do this, and I've showed you why I've done this. As I've said to you before, I'll never, ever, ever push you guys into a gambling site because I think gambling is something that I'd never, ever encourage because gambling is designed to make people lose. But if you want to sports bet, and, and that requires analysis, and it's not just a put money in, get less money out. Well, that's something that I actually do, and that's why I'm very comfortable to actually be pushing uh, BetSwap as one of our new sponsors. All right, listen, let's carry on. Let's get into some more meat and potatoes, and I think we need to talk about the third big story of the day, the third big aha moment for crypto. And if you don't have the aha moment after this, the reason why the reason why I wanted South Africa to beat the Irish is because our head researcher is Joe the Irishman, and I can't have... The South Africans lose to his team. It can't happen. Can't happen. Anyway, let's talk about the third big moment for crypto yesterday. So you will remember that there was a massive win for Ripple and for XRP the token, Solana the token, Matic the token, and in fact all the tokens that the SEC named as securities in the SEC versus XRP case. What the judge ruled back then is I want to make sure that I word it correctly. Um, here we go. So the judge ruled that the court found as a matter of law, Ripple's XRP sales on exchanges are not securities. XRP sales by Ripple executives are not securities. XRP's distribution to developers are not securities. And by the same ruling, Matic, Solana, and all of those, were, there is a ruling, a judgment, that they are not securities. What happened then was, in the middle of the case, because the case is not finished, the SEC uh, 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 tried to get... To, to appeal the decision in the middle of the case. They asked, they called it an interlocutory appeal. And they filed a motion to, to, to appeal that part of the judge's ruling. And so yesterday, the judge came back and said, uh-uh, you cannot, you, the judge rejected the SEC's motion to appeal the Ripple ruling. So that you can't, they, the judge rejected and said, you can't appeal the Ripple ruling, which is amazing. What does it actually mean? It means that the SEC is now taking another loss. It means that in order... For the SEC to appeal the ruling, they're going to have to wait until the end of the case. What the judge said, and I wonder if I can just find a, um, a, a, a uh, um, here we go. Uh, the judge found no substantial ground for difference of opinion about her findings and did not agree that an appeal would materially advance the, the case towards conclusion. She also said her decision did not conflict with the, 30, the July 31 ruling by the judge uh, Radkoff in Manhattan, who said the SEC had a plausible claim on Terraform Labs. And therefore, the judge said, look, you cannot appeal this, which means that for now and until they can appeal, we have a ruling in our favor that all these tokens actually aren't securities, which is amazing. When can they appeal? Well, first of all, we've got to finish this trial, which I think now will go on for a long time. Then there's an appeal. Then you've got to set appeal dates. Then you've got to go to court. I reckon we're three to five years away from this judgment actually being appealed, which means that for the next three to five years, it's business as usual for us. And we, I'm not going to say we, we're not, we don't have anything to worry about because that's not true because we always have something to worry about. Um, let's see what Jeremy Hogan says. I think Jeremy Hogan says, the SEC's motion for interlocutory appeal denied, which means that the case either goes to trial in April or goes away if the SEC doesn't appeal. And... This order allows the judge to explain parts of her ruling even better, making the appeal much harder for the SEC to win. And she breaks down for a whole lot of reasons why she ruled the way that she ruled. So, again, massive, massive, massive ruling. In fact, so massive that afterwards, Gary Gensler had to take a cold shower. Um, 
and uh, our crypto boy band got onto stage. Alright, so that was our little boy band. I'll, send, I'll share the link with you guys if you actually want the song. You should maybe make it one of your ringtones. It's a, it's a very, very, very cool ringtone. Um, in the SBF case, nothing really happened yesterday. Boring, boring, boring. Uh, although, this is good news. Anthropic's new raise will, could actually mean a full payout for FTX creditors. Imagine you get a full payout for FTX creditors. That is unbelievable and it actually might actually be uh, reality. So that's, uh, that's something that we want to keep our eyes on. Um, I did say to you in the beginning of the show that I'd explain to you why Rollbit actually went up 34% this week and is actually up another 5% today. The reason is that they're doing their token burns on chain. So it doesn't have to be done by the team, but they're actually doing their token burns live on, on chain. And that's what's actually happening. Rollbit has been buying and burning RLB every hour for every day for the past eight weeks now. Last week's revenue was 1.4 million and that they were sent the incinerators. They just keep burning tokens as the platform becomes more successful, they keep burning tokens. All right, um, before I go, lastly, remember, lastly, 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 before I go, uh, if you haven't already got a Bybit account, get a Bybit account. Why? Because this is a great time to have them because they've got the lucky draw for the next three months. Uh, go there, register now, spin, get your, win your iPhones, win your Apple Watches. The more banter people that win the iPhones and Apple Watches, the better. Listen, guys. Oh, wait, let's go see. Is Dylan trading today? Is Dylan trading today? Coming up in in ten minutes. Let's see. Oh, here he is. How, you see, YouTube loves us, bro. Silver pump. Time to trade altcoins. Don't forget to go to Dylan Show. It is here on Crypto Banter Plus, which is our other channel. There's going to be a lot of trading stuff on on Crypto Banter Plus. In fact, I may move some of my shows to Crypto Banter Plus. So go and sign up right now. As it stands, we have seventy four thousand subscribers. So go and do that. Go and do that. I shall see you guys again tomorrow. Or if you're joining our Twitter Spaces, I'll see you guys in about eleven minutes. Please tell me if you had the aha moment. Please, please. I worked so hard. And when I had the aha moment, I was so happy. Uh, I need to know if you guys had the aha moment. I'll see you guys again tomorrow. Until then, trade well, my friends.